Good morning. I have several announcements, so I'm going to try to get through them as fast as I can. Uh, George Mueller and Erica, his wife, are missionaries uh, from Germany and the Cameroon. They're going to be here for our Wednesday afternoon uh, young people's class uh, that starts at 6.30. And the adults are going to be invited as well. This is uh, a special thing that George is going to uh, be here. So uh, if you'd like to come and join us, that will be 6.30 Wednesday uh, afternoon. And then again Thursday at our Bible class, our regular Bible class, uh, he's going to uh, be behind the pulpit then. So that's Wednesday and Thursday, George Mueller is going to be here. Um, you may have seen in the bulletin that um, Bonnie, Bonnie Dixon's mother, Gaylene Young, went to be with the Lord on Friday, and they're going to have a memorial service uh, in Bastrop Monday at 6, 6 p.m., and there's going to be a reception afterwards. And I, it's going to be at, um, I don't have the, the name of the church, but we can get you, uh, if you have an email or leave your phone number if you'd like to go, uh, we'll get the information to you. In fact, we might meet somewhere, maybe here at the church, and just uh, <clears throat> have a caravan or a convoy or whatever, just follow each other there. And uh, that is going to be Monday at 6 o'clock in Bastrop. I don't know what time we get here, maybe, I don't know what, 4, 4.30, something like that. Anyway, we'll discuss the particulars uh, if, you, if you would like to go. Also, uh, this Friday is going to be our first Fun Friday here at Country Bible Church. It's going to be a time when we just are going to visit with one another, play games. You can bring your own game if you want to. Um, introduce us to maybe a new one. We already have several. That There's going to be dominoes and uh, there's going to be foosball and ping pong and I don't know, a whole lot of other uh, games. And there'll be uh, snacks, refreshments here. So I hope that y'all will come because it all depends upon you because if enough people don't come I'm going to shut it down we won't do anything so if that's what you want that's what you'll get so uh, you need to be here to participate it's always fun this is a fun crowd and it's be around like-minded believers that uh, have that kind of capacity uh, I hope you will support that uh, also we need a pianist so if you know how to play the piano a little more than chopsticks is all it takes, I guess. I don't know. If we wind up me having to play, I guarantee you it'll be chopsticks because that's the limit of my repertoire. I think that's all of the announcements. So let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. The option of confessing any unconfessed sins to God properly during this silent prayer, which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your matchless grace. We pray that you will help us realize how brief this life is. We don't have much time to make it count. And we can't do that in ignorance. So we pray that you will help us to focus, to be able to inculcate into our soul, into our long-term memory, the things that are going to be covered today so that we will be good and faithful servants. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'd like you to open your songbooks to page 495. Hymn number 495. Look familiar? Huh? Beautiful hymn. One of my favorites. And we just sang it, didn't we? 
Here's my point, and this is why we're going here. How many of you, as you were singing this song, thought about or connected it with faith rest? See, there's a difference between singing a hymn like this, and it's beautiful and it moves you, but if you don't have the mechanics, if you don't have the way of establishing in your soul this peace that this writer has given us, then it's just a pretty song. And that's why we are, we are going into depth in, the, in what we just call faith rest so that you will be able to sing this song and in your soul you're thanking the Lord that He has provided for us, His children, rest in our soul. It is well with... Let's look at the... Let's just, I'm going to read the first line again. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. See, the, the whole thing is you want it to be well with your soul regardless if the sorrows like sea billows roll. And we call that faith rest. And so it's important for us to not just sing a song like this, but to recognize that there are certain things that we must do in order to have this peace, this wonderful peace, this rest in our soul. And that's why we're going over this. That's why it's so important. Because I believe anybody that has any um, recognition of things anticipate great storm clouds looming on the horizon. There's no telling what we will have to go through. And God has given us this ability in our souls to be at rest, to be content, to say it doesn't matter, it is well with my soul. Okay, you can put your song books up now. By the way, I might as well take this opportunity as well. I was going to do this at another time, but I might as well do it now. When we sing, we're not singing just because that's what people do at church. We're not doing it just so that we can make it more pleasurable or entertaining. When we sing these hymns, it is a form of worship. And you should be thinking about the words as you sing these hymns. Boy, did we have two great ones today. Well, we had three. It is well with my soul. I can tell you the whole time. In fact, I was telling Joan on the way here, I was thinking, <clears throat> it just struck me. It is well with my soul. That's what faith rest is all about. And I was going to have you turn in your hymnal and, and, and we were going to look at it is well with my soul. And I sit down here and John's going through the songs and what, what, what did they have today? I didn't know we were going to have this. It is well with my soul. Just a coincidence, you know. So, uh, but my point is this. You need to think about the words, the doctrines. We are praising God with our voice, lifting them up in song. And then we had a mighty fortress is our God. Did you see the doctrine in that? What tremendous doctrine there was. And I, I always let, uh, whether it's... Uh, Craig or John, uh, Greg, uh, Craig or John, I always uh, tell them how many verses we're going to sing because it just depends on the time element. Sometimes I, I, I need more. I feel like I'm going to need more time. Anyway, I just could not take any of those hymn, uh, lines out of that great hymn. A mighty fortress is our God, and then it is no secret. I, I, I just hope that y'all realize, and you don't have to realize how important the, the songs are. You don't have to, if you're, if you're somewhat uh, ill at ease because you don't have the best singing voice. Well, the Bible never says that we have to have a great singing voice. It says, make a joyful noise. Is that a woodpecker? Or, huh? 
I guess the woodpecker's trying to make a joyful noise. I don't know. Anyway, um, so remember that when we sing. And, and by the way, I have to commend you on your singing. I've gone to churches before, and they sing, and you can hardly hear them. Boy, with John and I up here, we bellow it out. But uh, I can hear y'all as well. I, I stopped singing so I didn't hear myself just to hear y'all. And y'all are doing a great job. Because we want to sing like we mean it because we should mean it. It is a form of worship. Okay, let's get on with uh, faith rest today. Oh, you know what? I have to plug this thing in if it's going to work. Now let's see if it's going to come on. Okay, it takes a, a, a moment to wake up. What I'm going to do is give you some uh, points with regards to faith rest. Uh, I want you to understand, and these are very important points for you to understand and to think about. Because we live in very stressful times, do we not? Just get out on the highway. It used to be you had to go to Houston in order to really get distressed with the traffic, but no more. In fact, just leaving here can be a little bit stressful especially on a Friday evening. The, the uh, 290 now is uh, akin to a freeway in Houston. So all around us, all the time, we're going to have stress. And we want to manage that stress. We want to have the, the, the uh, contentment in our soul, that peace. So see if this is going to work. Here we go. The first point, faith rest is available to every dispensation, to every dispensation believer, and every dispensation, essentially, for the believer. What this means is that it's not just for the church age. It was, it was available to the Old Testament believers. Remember that in Joshua chapter 11, verse 35? He was talking about a rest. It was available during David's time. It was still available. We went to Hebrews chapter 4 and found out, well, it was still available now. Today, it is available to you. But you have to understand how to access it. What do you think? What is the cognitive process you must go through in your mind in order to have that peace that passes understanding? Well, it's faith rest, and this is how we do it. The second thing, happiness does not depend on circumstances. Happiness depends on what you think. So important. When someone asks you, are you having a good day? If you start analyzing it and thinking, well, let's see, what happened today? Then you're already lost out. Now, a, a person that employs faith rest all the time, someone asks them, how's your day? They don't have to think about it. It's wonderful. It's great. I'm above ground. I'm breathing. I'm, the, I'm God's child. He's providing for all my needs. Of course, a lot of people do that, and it's fake. You know, you can ask them, how are you doing that? Oh, it's great, great, great. But they're not faith resting. They're just putting up a front. What you want to do is in your soul for that to be meaningful. By the way, happiness is the top floor of the edification complex and the d- divine domain, both. That's, God wants us to share His happiness, and that means we are not to be chained to our circumstances. Number three, you can face any problem in life and handle it by using the doctrine circulation can you can you do this face any problem in life and handle it by using the doctrine circulating in your stream of consciousness now what this means is is it there you cannot apply doctrine you don't know and so the question is can you make the right choices to resolve the problems you're going to make choices today every day we make choices the important thing, are you making the right choices? Resolving problems depends on what you have in your soul. What are you thinking? By the way, that's what happiness is. I was just told the kids this last Wednesday, I bring up happiness from time to time. And here's a, a nugget, a, a, a gem, that sometimes people take a lifetime nearly to figure out, and some never figure it out. And here it is, with regards to happiness. You will never find happiness 
by looking for happiness. It won't happen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. That's where the happiness is. Uh oh, got two there. Uh, you make decisions as to whether you will have stress or tranquility in your soul. You understand that? The emphasis is in you make the decision. You can choose to not have stress in your soul or to have stress in your soul. You don't make it like, I mean, you, you don't say, well, I think I'll have stress in my soul today. It's not that type of thing. But what it is, is you're the one that decides what you're going to concentrate on, what you're going to focus on. And by doing that, you make the choice of whether you're going to have stress or not. You can, you can choose to dwell on the problem or to focus on the Bible. Number five, stress in the soul knocks out the filling of the spirit and doctrinal orientation. If you have stress in your soul, if you're uptight, if you don't have an RMA... And I want everybody to tell me what an RMA is. All right. Relaxed mental attitude. Um, you seem to have it now. Maybe before this is over, some of you be so relaxed, you sleep. Just please don't snore. I remember when I was at A&M, it was in the class. that had about 200 people in it. And there was a guy right down there close to the front row. Of course, I was way back in the back. And it was like a... An auditorium went way high like this. And the guy, the, the, the professor had to stop what he was saying because the guy in the front row was going like this. Like this. And the professor said, Will someone please wake up this gentleman? I'm afraid he's going to break his neck. <laughs> he had a relaxed mental attitude. So stress in the soul knocks out the filling of the Holy Spirit and doctrinal orientation. In other words, it knocks out the doctrine. And you want to be able to be relaxed. You know what courage is? Courage is thinking under pressure. It's still being relaxed. Now, there's a certain amount of nervous tension when there's danger there, but you need to continue to be able to think. But that's only half of the battle. It's what do you think, and that's what we're covering in the details of faith rest. Number six, adversity is an outside pressure. Stress is an inside pressure of life. Adversity is what circumstances do to you. Stress is what you do to yourself. Can any of us, and please don't raise your hand. I'm just, this is a rhetorical question. Can any one of us have control over our circumstances, what's going to happen even for the rest of the day? We don't have any control over that, do we? That's what it's saying here is that adversity is what circumstances do to you. Now, your circumstances vary, but you have no control over that whatsoever. That's the point. But that's okay. Because the other point is that the stress that can build up inside your soul, you can control. So you can't control the adversities, the problems, the, all the woes of life. But you can control what they do to you in your soul. If you have the mechanics, which we're going through just in a minute or so, if you have those mechanics, if you know what to think, how to access that peace in your soul, then it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. That's, that's what you have control over. And most people want to control the adversities in their life because they think that's the ticket. But you can't. You cannot control those things. Number seven, adversity is inevitable. Stress is optional. It depends upon you. Do you want to dwell on the problem? Do you want to hit the panic, panic button? You don't have to. If you have doctrine in your soul, you can access it and relieve the stress. Did, God did not design us to be slaves to our circumstances. He doesn't want you to be a slave to your circumstances. But I dare say probably the great majority of people that you know are slaves to their circumstances. When something happens that is unpleasant, something happens that they'd rather not happen or whatever, have you ever been around people that they, they're just always kind of grumpy? 
They're always kind of surly. They just don't have a very... That's like they have a chip on their shoulder or something. So many times it's because they're waiting for their circumstances to improve to be nice. And they just hadn't got a break yet. And they won't give you a break either. So we are not designed to be slaves of our circumstances. Number nine, a believer who consistently uses the faith rest drill. It's a drill. It's something that you are going to purposely do in your soul. They who consistently use faith rest drill fulfill 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which says, We walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by sight is human viewpoint. It's what nearly everyone does. And they look at their circumstances, and then they, they, they become melancholy. They're blue. They're full of foreboding and dread because of their circumstances. That's all human viewpoint. But we walk by faith. Faith, you could say, we walk by faith resting. No matter what happens to us, we know that God has us covered. And we depend upon His matchless grace. So, here's ways to faith rest. Here we get down to having that peace in our soul. The first one is to claim a promise. And I've given you a lot of promises. And what you ought to, maybe you, made, you, you should make a list as you read your Bible. And I hope you all read it every day. Make a list of the promises that you're going to, the go-to verses when adversity strikes. When you're upset, whatever it is, this is the promises. The second one is the essence box. The essence box is God's attributes. What is God like? It's, it's nice to know that when you're facing the unknown troubles. The third is the grace pipeline, or we sometimes call it logistical grace. We are, isn't it nice to know that we have God's promise in His Word, not only one, but many promises that tell us that He's going to take care of us. We have analogies. If the, He can take care of the lily that doesn't, doesn't work in order to be nourished and grow and everything, if God provides everything for a lily, isn't He going to do the same for you? Aren't you more important than a lily? On and on we have Examples of that. Number four, God's plan of seven imputations. Now, so far, we've gone over claiming a promise, the essence box, and the grace pipeline. And today, we're going to continue because we just started with the seven imputations of the plan of God. So how can this help me overcome my dread and, and stress in my soul? Well, we're, we'll, we'll see. The last one is the, it bounces in there, the a fortiori logic, a fortiori, with greater reason. That is the Latin term for it. So, we look at the essence box. We're not going to stay here. I just want to remind you of it. The more times that you see this, it imprints on your brain, in your soul, and when we talk about adversity and you start thinking about God, it's not some kind of abstract, ethereal type of thing. What I see when somebody says, what is God like? I, shut, I don't even have to shut my eyes, but if I did, this is what I'd see. I'd see the essence box because I, I've seen it so many times. So you need to see it a lot of times. The main thing about the essence box that you need to remember is that all of these attributes have to harmonize with one another. You can't elevate any of them above any of the others. They have to be in perfect harmony. God is love. Well, that's true. Does that mean he's an old softy up there and he just kind of, well, it's okay? No, because he's, he's got justice and righteousness. And his justice and righteousness make up his, his holiness, his, his character. Then you have all these other things. I'm not going to go into it anymore. But when you're thinking about a problem and it's, and, and it's starting to get to you, just start thinking of the essence box. Well, does God love me? Oh, yes, He loves me. Does He know what the problem is? Yes, He's omniscient. Does He have enough power to take care of the issue? Yes, He's omnipotent. Yeah, but what if He changes? Well, you've got immutability. In other words, this is the way you use it. 
The next thing that we looked at was the grace pipeline. Uh, George, turn this light out, will you? I don't need it, and that might make it a little better. How about, how about these side lights? Turn those out too, George. Do y'all still have enough light to see? Can y'all still see your paper and all? Does that help see it better? Because I'll turn them all out. Okay. I want to make sure you can see what, what you're writing on, but I want you to see this as well. The Grace Pipeline, and I didn't think this up. Uh, Colonel R.B. Thing from Baraka Church came up with this visual. I kind of enhanced it some. And it's a great thing to think about. Two things that are most important I have up on here. First of all, God blesses sinful man without compromising his perfect justice and righteousness. So it is God who blesses us. And over here, we are not blessed because of what we do for God, but because of what God has done for us. Isn't it great to know? What kind of, when I say matchless grace and people sing amazing grace, what's the, what's, what's the difference there? Well, I mean, what makes that so? <laughs> I guess he wants to put his two cents in. <laughs> Do everything to keep distractions down. And then uh, maybe that's a holy woodpecker. I don't know. Anyway, uh, isn't it great to know that the grace that we have is sufficient enough that nothing that God provides for us is dependent upon us with regards to our logistics. You know, as children, we never thought about that, do we? Did we? I mean, I had uh, a roof over my head, three square meals a day. I had uh, was taken care of with medical needs, education. Everything that I needed was taken care of. And... God is the same way. But you know what? I never thought of that. Didn't, weren't you the same? How many times did you go up to your parents and say, you know, I just want to thank you for providing a house for me. I have my own room. And I have food to eat. I have clothes to wear. And transportation and all that. I just want to thank you for that. If most kids did that to their parents today, they would probably take them to a shrink. What's wrong with this kid? That's because it's not normal. But that's what we should have an appreciation for God, recognizing that everything that He provides for us is based on His character, who and what He is. So if God's justice is able to give us all blessings because we have His righteousness and we spent some time in this. By the way, how do you acquire God's righteousness? Faith alone in Christ alone, right? When you have faith in Christ, boom, you get God's righteousness. That's the target. He's being able to bless us because He's not going to bless anyone based on what you do because they're all our good that we do is relative. So He, bam, He goes right to His righteousness. It's imputed to every believer. Even the believers that never grow up still have God's righteousness. Have, what about a believer that never goes to church? He never prays. What if he shaves his head and says, now I'm a Buddhist? Does he still get... Logistical grace? Yes. Why? Because he has God's righteousness, you see? And we all have it. So we can't strut about and say, oh, well, I, <clears throat> you know, I've got, I've got all of these things that God has provided for me. But so what? The only reason I have them is because I have God's righteousness. And it's insulated from all these things that you could do in order to try to in, intrude on this pipeline, but it doesn't intrude because... God is just in blessing you because you have His righteousness. He can only bless that which is perfect. And what is perfect in you is His righteousness. So, boom, you have it. Here's the verses that have to do with God's uh, imputed righteousness. We've already gone through this. I just wanted to go through that. Now, we're going to talk about the seven imputations. Are you all ready for this? Huh? Because some of you look a little dull, I've got to tell you. Huh? They, I smile. Okay. All right. X plus Y plus Z. We start out with the unbeliever. What takes place with the unbeliever? 
that is so important for us to understand. By the way, this took place for every one of us. It took place for every person who has ever been born. Minus one. This did not take place to Jesus Christ. At least not this part. So, let's look at it. These are the imputations that begin at physical birth. So, what is an imputation? We went through this the other day. Actually, what it is is an imputation is God crediting or giving you something. And a, re a regular impu imputation, what we might say a real imputation, you have something that is imputed and something that is it, target. Something that is imputed, something that is target. These are antecedents of what is imputed. In other words, they go together. They fit. And that's what a real imputation is. So we start at... Uh, physical birth, you have soul life imputed to biological life. There is life in the womb. It's biological life. You can hear the heart ticking and all this type of thing. But God imputes the soul, which is made out of nothing at birth, and therefore you are born humanly. You're alive. But here's the other part. Adam's original sin is imputed to your old sin nature. Now already, if you had not been around for very long, you're starting to get lost. What is Adam's original sin and what is an old sin nature? When, let me put it this way. When Adam sinned, he was the representative, he was the federal head of the whole human race. And when he sinned, God not only condemned him, he, he condemned the entire human race when Adam sinned. And that's very important that we were condemned at birth because of Adam's sin because it means that God does not condemn you for your personal sins. Do you know how huge that is? How many people know this, that we are condemned because of Adam's sin? How many people do you know that knows that? Probably not very many. But the reason it's so important is because we have to be condemned by Adam's sin and not our personal sins. You know why? Because all our personal sins were imputed to Christ. He was condemned for our personal sins. We are not. So what that means is we're condemned at birth, but it's not for our personal sins. It's for Adam's sin. The old sin nature, when Adam fell, Genesis chapter 2, when he's talking about Adam uh, and Eve, when they ate of the forbidden fruit, God had already told them, in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. Well, they ate of it, and they didn't croak right then. They didn't fall over dead, but they died spiritually. And that's what it's talking about. They had their... Relationship with God was severed. And they started dying physically as well. It took Adam another 900 years for that to take place. But he finally died because his, something happened to his body and to Eve's body that caused it to degenerate and finally die. And that, whatever it is, we call it the, the old sin nature. You can't see it in a microscope. Uh, I've been uh, taught that it has to do with your... Genes, your genetic makeup is such that you are programmed to only last so long and your body's going to degenerate and go back into the dust of the earth because that's what God said is going to happen to it. So this fits Adam's original sin to our old sin nature. It passed down by the man in procreation and every person has an old sin nature. Now you might doubt, you might, some people you might know. There's, most of us know at least one person, maybe just so sweet. So nice and so kind. You don't see them angry and they're so giving and loving. Let me tell you, they have an old sin nature. Even a little old bitty baby. That it, oh, isn't he precious? Well, I, I guess. Uh, I'm not big on babies. I was on my daughter. Now, that was different. But for all other babies, they just bald-headed and, you know, things were coming out of everywhere. And uh, they, they didn't, they just looked. I just didn't, apart from my daughter, I haven't seen many really pretty babies. And people say, oh, how sweet they are. And I don't know, they just get, they just get kind of giddy when they see a baby. But listen, that, old, that baby has an old sin nature. And it won't take long before you'll find that out. It wants to be fed when it wants to be fed. It wants to be held when it wants to be held. And it's going to make that old sin nature known pretty quickly. So we all have an old sin nature. And so when you combine human life with spiritual death, 
you wind up, here's the formula, human life plus spiritual death plus the gospel. We have a problem because we're condemned, see? We're alive and we're condemned. And we, there, there's a potential, but the potential depends upon what I have here is the gospel. All of us were born physically alive, spiritually dead, and if something didn't happen, if we make it to adulthood, if something doesn't happen, where are we going? If God didn't provide something, what would happen? He had to set up a potential for salvation, but the what we need is the gospel. You got that? Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the Word of God. So when we have human life, spiritual death, then what we have is this formula. We need the gospel, and the gospel sets up a potential. Condemnation must always precede salvation. We're already condemned at birth. Now we need the gospel. When we get the gospel, it sets up potential, which is salvation. And when we have faith in Jesus Christ, that potential becomes a reality and we become a new believer. Does everyone have that? You can ask a question if you want to. Man, I'm a good teacher. Oh, well. Okay, are you all ready to move on? Okay. Here's the next one. This is for the unbeliever, which was the X. It's all in green. Now we go to the believer. Imputations at spiritual birth. These were imputations at physical birth. Now we're talking about imputations at spiritual birth. And we start out here. See, I have them numbered. One, two, three. Number three and four, we have these imputations. Now, would you notice the difference between these and these? One is kind of an oval and the other one's square, right? Well, I tried to do this because these imputations are not like these. You know why? They're called judicial imputations because the, thing that are, the things that are imputed here go to a place where they don't belong. There's not an affinity there. There's not a real antecedent there. That's why they're called a judicial imputation. Because in a judicial imputation, God imputes something to a place where it doesn't belong. And when he does it in two, it comes in pairs like this. It balances each other out. Let's look at it. The first one is personal sins are imputed to Christ on the cross. Did Christ deserve our sins? He was perfect. It did not fit for him to take on our sins. And so this is a judicial imputation here. Then over here we have God's righteousness is imputed to the believer. What are we? We're sinful, right? We have an old sin nature. Does that fit? God, does God's righteousness fit to the believer? No, we don't deserve that. We, we are depraved. We are, it is our nature to sin, and yet He imputes His righteousness to us. Now, he's able to do this, give us his righteousness, because he's already imputed our, uh, our sins to Christ on the cross. Do you see why it's you know, so important over here that this was Adam's sin that we're condemned with? Because if we were condemned by even one personal sin, we would be condemned for that personal sin. God would not be able to impute it to Christ. And what would happen? Huh? Lake of fire for us. So all your, isn't that nice to know? Have you, ever, have you ever told anybody that they are not condemned by God by their personal sin? Have you ever done that? It's fun. Look at their face. Because they're saying, what? And where is that going? Where it's going is that no one goes to hell for their sin. And that's a newsflash to most people, isn't it? No one goes to hell for their sins. How many people do you know that know that, much less believe it? The reason is what we have right here. All our personal sins went to Jesus Christ on the cross. Well, what about Hitler's sins? What about Stalin's sins? What about Mao Zedong? What about those characters? Were they... Were they condemned for their sins? Boy, did they have some. No. 
All sins were imputed to Christ on the cross. When you, do you, the, the theological ramifications of what I'm teaching you are phenomenal. But for you, practically speaking, it means that you're not trying to get in good with God because you're going to do your best to sin less. Now, I'm, I'm, that's a good thing. I hope you all try to sin less. But it didn't have anything to do with whether you're going to heaven or not. It didn't have anything to do with your standing before God. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you still have logistical grace or not. Because you can't, God can't condemn us for our personal sins because He condemned Christ. Have you ever heard of the law of double jeopardy? Would God be fair if he condemned Christ for our sins, which is what the Bible says, and then turned around and said, yeah, I'm going to condemn them as well. Would that be fair and just? Would that be right? Of course not. That's why he's able to take all personal sins to Christ on the cross. And then God, do you see this right here? You know what that is? I just threw that in for good measure. That's the grace pipeline. See, we have the righteousness. God's righteousness goes down to here. We have His righteousness. So all the blessings, logistical grace, and everything flow through this because God has to be just. He has to be perfectly just and righteous. And He's able to do this all on the basis of what He did here on the cross. Are you all with me so far? Okay. Now, this sets up a potential. You have God's righteousness plus Logistical grace, which comes right in here through this pipeline. Plus, look at this. What is VD? Bible doctrine sets up another potential. These things happen so that another potential can be, re be recognized. Do you know how many people, all they ever know, well, they don't even know any of this. They're over here, but they don't know anything. Come think of it. All they know is when you ask them, are you going to heaven? Well, I sure hope so. I'm trying good. What a pathetic thing. The doctrine is, well, is important to, set, to realize the second potential. Now, here's the second potential right here. This is, see, we've got one, two, three, four. Here's number five. Super grace blessings in time. How many people do you know understand that there are super grace blessings that they, can re that they can receive now in time? Super grace blessings. How many people know that? By the way, where are you on this list so far? Huh? Well, we know you're here. We know from here to here, everybody here, has, this has happened to Right? Probably this is true because you've heard the gospel. If you're here, you're hearing that you've already probably heard me say it already. Here's the potential. Now, I would assume all of you, if not the great majority of you, believed in Jesus Christ, so you're a new believer. So all this, now you're over here. These things have happened to you whether you know it or not. The issue is, is it important to you? Some people Oh, well, you know, that country Bible church, he puts formulas up there and all this in-depth stuff. And I just want to praise the Lord. With what? This is what it takes to understand the Lord enough to give Him true praise. I mean, you can, we could get some, get some more. We, we have one guitar here. We can get some drums and we can get some big, bigger speakers. And we can praise the Lord till the, till the windows shatter. But that's not what He wants. The, and it's not going to give you that faith rest in your soul. It's not about emotion. You can't conjure up something spiritually as an emotion and get through anything. It's just going to exacerbate the situation. It's going to be worse if you're emotional about it. You need to think. I don't know about you, but I am really glad. I've thanked God many times for this part right here especially, that my personal sins went to Jesus Christ. When I was a little boy, when I was about 12 years old, I think I graduated from now lay me down to sleep. 
in my prayers. And then I was praying that my dad wouldn't find out all the things that happened that day. And I would start losing track of it, of all the things that I thought, you know, I sure hope Jimmy Taylor doesn't tell him, doesn't let him know that he's got a broken arm and it kind of leads to me. That was kind of a doubtful one, but it was, I'm not sure about it. I felt a little guilty about it. Anyway, I, I set up this whole thing. And this was, these were my prayers for a while as a 12-year-old. I, I would give a list. Just don't let any of this be exposed, God, especially to my dad. <laughs> well, I believed in God. I believe, and I, you know, I was even, I was a believer. What I didn't know. Oh, if someone would, could, could have come up and told me that, what would it have been worth? I'm not condemned for my personal sins, not by God. But for C.K. Smith, of course, it was another thing. But this is, this is so important, you understand. And here's, here's the potential. The potential here is not go to hell and go to heaven. The potential here is not be a mediocre, dumb, bunny believer that doesn't know what in the world is going on spiritually. It's like they're in a fog. They have no idea. They want some emotions cranked up, and they think that's spirituality, and they live just like the unbeliever. It used to be that they would live like the unbeliever with regards to being worried all the time, an uptight, no relaxed mental attitude, but now it's gotten worse. Now believers are living like unbelievers morally because they're immoral. They're shacking up. They're taking drugs. They're doing everything that you can think of. But I'm getting off track. Here we go. Here's the potential. Super grace, blessings, and time. Now, what I probably need to do is, I'm not going to do it now, I need to stop and just start teaching what the six categories of super grace. Do you see what I'm talking about? If you haven't been taught the six categories of super grace blessings, all you can think of is, whoo, must be nice. Well, what is it? You, you're, you're limited in your thinking because you haven't been given the details, right? But most people, most believers don't even know that that's a potential. They go through life thinking, okay, well, I'm going to try to be good and maybe I'll feel better about going to heaven. Maybe God will notice something that I do, and they muddle through it. All these things were set up so that you can realize this potential that God wants to give you greater grace. You know why? why? What would be God's motivation to give you extra measure of grace that other believers don't have? What, what do you think would be His motive? Because, you, because you're so good-looking? Because you're so smart? Because you're so special? No, he wants to do it because the more that he can bless you, the more he's glorified. We live in the devil's world right under Satan's nose. And if he can give you this super grace blessing and he can keep you content in every kind of circumstance, you know what Satan is doing? He's freaking out. He doesn't want believers to be happy. He doesn't want believers to be above their circumstances and free of stress. And it glorifies... Listen, why does it glorify God? Why, do, why doesn't it glorify you? That's a good question, isn't it? Because it didn't come from you. You're not able to receive super grace blessings because this is what all the things that God did plus the doctrine so that you can be, uh, give that, have that extra measure of grace. Do y'all want an extra measure of grace? Huh? I don't know how, many, how much time we've got left, but I don't know about you. I want all the grace I can get. And I don't want to be in bondage to my circumstances. And we can sing, it is well with my soul a thousand times. And if we don't know how to use the cognitive process, the thinking, if we don't know anything about God's promises and we don't know about logistical grace, we don't know about the faith rest drill, we don't know about the essence box, we don't know anything about the grace pipeline, if we don't know any of those things, it's just going to be a song. And I don't apologize for having grass. And I would have 
I don't know, the three stooges up here. If it, well, that wouldn't work. I was just trying to reach for something outlandish. This is what we want. You already have salvation, so this is our next thing. We always have a potential. The potential is the next goal. You know what? Some, there are people in our group right now that are already here. They're already receiving super abundant grace blessings from God in six categories. Wow. Well, are they done? Once you, re- once you reach that plateau, is that the end? No, but it's the end of my message, but I will give you a shot. Oop, wrong one. Oh, this, this one. This is where they're headed. Mature believers, potentials imputed in eternity. And that's enough for now. The good news is time is short and the super grace that we have today is phenomenal. It is magnificent. But it doesn't last long because we don't, we don't last long here. And in God's magnificent plan, He wants to bless us for all eternity. How's that for a gracious God? And you can make the choices to receive surpassing grace blessings in eternity. But you have to make the right decision. And the right decision has to do with learning the procedures to do away with the stress and have that peace that passes all understanding. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your plan for us. It starts with being physically alive and spiritually dead. There may be someone here or someone listening to this that is in that category. What they desperately need is the gospel. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross for your sins and my sins. He died on that cross twice. He was buried and resurrected. Now He offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. When you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're guaranteed logistical grace. But more importantly, your ticket to heaven is guaranteed. But in the meantime, we are here in time in the devil's world. He offers to each and every believer that ability to rise above circumstances, to think those doctrinal thoughts that puts us on another plane and we can have contentment and happiness no matter what. We pray that we will reach for this prize by continuing to take in your word. For we pray it in Christ's most high and holy name.